0: Millions of frontline workers keep our economy running and are provided with the latest technology to do their jobs. But digital adoption, especially by frontline workers, is really hard. This is Frontline Innovators. We explore how to overcome challenges and achieve success when we empower our essential workers. I'm Justin Lake. And I'm Gene Signorini. Together, we speak with experts who are leading the way and driving digital transformation to the frontline. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful, on a mission to help frontline workers learn and use the technology needed to succeed in their jobs. Today's guest is an accomplished professional with a master's degree in organizational leadership. She's been a field service specialist and a chief construction inspector, and is now the change management specialist at a major utility company where she's been for more than 14 years. Welcome Blanca Garcia Nieto. Hello. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I'm so excited to have this conversation today. So thank you so much for joining. I want to start like we often do on the show and ask you what you think is the biggest challenge you see facing the deskless frontline workers of today.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, who would have thought, right? We, we, was tackled with this challenge, which I saw as an opportunity, right? I look at challenges as opportunities. And I feel that um, it is a challenge for many of us. Um, You know, we were used to being in an office, um, collaborating. If I had a question, I can just walk up and and go to uh, someone's desk. And now I have to call, right? I have to call, I have to chat. Um, there's just, and, and, you know, we have a lot of avenues, right. Where we can communicate with each other. But I feel that, um, that contact that, um, you know, that emotional intelligence, right. To know if someone is having a bad day or not, um, you have to now be, um, you have to make an extra effort to ask, like, how is your day going? How are you doing? Um, where before you can kind of tell and, and you can, you know, use your emotion intelligence there. Um, now you're you, you don't know what's going on. Right. Um, and so a lot of challenges with that. Um, I think that another challenge um, is that, you know, you you're not used to this. You you we're, we are we grow in a community. We don't grow in isolation. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I believe that, um, you know, this challenge is going to be here for a while. Um, but uh, you just have to find different resources, different ways to communicate, to tap into people. Um, You know, I I just think that as this continues to evolve, we continue to evolve as human beings. But at the end of the day, um, we're still humans. We need that contact, right? So yeah, yeah, a lot of challenges.
0: You work in an organization that has thousands of workers that uh, don't work inside offices before or after COVID. Do you think that the experience has been different for the men and women that work in the field operations?
1: Absolutely. I think that um, not only, you know, with the experience of not having people to go to, but you also have a lot of challenges with the new um, systems that are coming out. Right. That we kind of had to learn. um, immediately right there was no there was no uh transition process it's like this is what we have this is how we're going to communicate um i think that uh for some people who are in the field um you know they pretty much work in silo right they were used to that right um but you still got together with people, you know, if it was someone's birthday, you still got to you came into the office, um, and you share those experiences and I believe that those experiences is what builds a community. Um, you know, those laughs, uh, those little jokes, um, you know uh, uh you bring in sometimes you can bring in uh, your child, Um, I know that, um, you know, there were many instances for Christmas that will have, um, you know, Santa Claus and everyone will bring their children. Those experiences um, are very important. So even though they probably were used to working in silo, they we're still missing that we're still missing that to build a community, um, and build a, a strong network, right? Um, and, and so that's important.
0: When you started that, you talked about the number of new systems that everybody needed to learn. So, this period of COVID over the last 18 months has been really the, the fastest acceleration of digital transformation in a lot of industries and, and segments within those industries. So I'd be curious to hear that the men and women that you've worked with, what are some of the challenges that they have faced in, in trying to learn that new technology, because I think, you know, what we're seeing elsewhere is that not only did they have to learn it on a lot of new things, but they had to do it in an environment that was also uh, very new to them, uh, very new to all of us at that time, what do you think some of the challenges would be that they would say in, in terms of having to learn new technology under these circumstances?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, not only you are learning one system, but you're also learning um, other systems. So it's it, before it was like, okay, you learn one thing and then you kind of get to adapt to it, uh, but we're, be, we're being bombarded with so much technology all at once. And I think that um, it's draining. Right, you're just constantly learning one thing after another. Um, you really don't get to uh, understand, you know, one system that might come out because another one came out and it's for a different function. Um, but just, just the technology is just so rapid, um, and you—it's really hard to keep up with just everything coming out at once. And I think that that's one of the what I've heard um, is that we're just having so many systems coming out at the same time. Um, and you know you're you're expected to kind of know this um, right away. <laughs> you know, um, you look at, uh, for example, um, teens, right? And and it keeps evolving. Right. It's just not here is a system. Uh, It just keeps evolving. There's new there's new um, functions and you have to keep up with that. And, you know, so it's very difficult, um, I find. And if you're not um, in that frame of mind where, you know, you're taking these as opportunity, it can become exhausting. It's exhausting everywhere around.
0: And in regards to your role as a change management specialist, what keeps you up at night in regards to how you can support the, the users that, that you're responsible for inside your organization?
1: They keep me up at night. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm answering yeah. emails, I'm answering phone calls, um, you know, so I, I, I think for me, it's very important because I was there I and I still am uh, um, in, in many ways. Um, You know, when there is no support, morale goes down. When there's no support, um, you know, you just you don't want to go to work. It's just so difficult. Um, But I feel that, for me, I want to make them understand that I am there as their support. I might not know everything, but I will get you the answer, right? And I think that that goes a long way. We don't know everything. Um, I'm just one person. But I feel that if you do have um, a network of people that are there to support you, it just makes it easier. It's just like when you're in the field um, and you you all are hustling to do something together, um, it just makes it easier. The process is, is, is more bearable, not easier, but bearable. And I think that that's important, just having that network.
0: You've mentioned network. I mean, we've just been on for a few minutes now and you've already mentioned network a lot. So I can tell that that's something that's really important to you and something you believe strongly in. Tell me in your role how you can help facilitate, create that network amongst the the workers that that you're responsible to support.
1: So you always want to bring people with, with passion, right? You want to bring people in with passion about whatever it is that you're doing. Um, and, you know, that obviously is with awareness. You bring awareness of what are you doing. Um, and then you you kind of find people who are just passionate about something new. Um, those people you want to grab onto and you want to kind of, you know, let them know that that we need that passion. We need to ignite that same passion to other people who might not, you know, might feel a little bit nervous or, uh, you know, change, you know, it's inevitable. However, it's not easy. And so, you know, you want to make sure that you bring all those people on board and then there are kind of like, you know, y- your arms and legs to reach out to other people. Um, because you you have to understand that, you know, we're living in difficult times. And what we've known is that with the isolation, it affected a lot of people. We now we understand that, you know, the community, having that community, having that network is so important for you to continue personally or at work. Um, and I think that that's very important to have those people around you who share the same passion and can bring that passion to others.
0: Yeah, I think that's really great. Um, it, I, I think when, when you talk about uh, the, the passion of both the, the people that you're working with, uh, I can also tell just from the conversation that we had before the podcast, just the, the passion that you bring to your role. I, I'd love for you to share with our guests a little bit more detail just about what your role is and, and what you do day in and day out and how you interact with with the folks inside your organization.
1: Yeah. So, so, you know, my role is really, uh, like I mentioned before, um, it's bringing awareness to a change, right? And when you, once you bring awareness to a change, right, there's, there's so many that uh, things that go into that, you know, you always have to understand that you don't make assumptions, Right. For you, one thing might be easy. For me, it might be hard. Right. So we can't make assumptions. We always have to ask questions. We have to, you know, give surveys out. Um, And so, you know, my role um, is really creating that awareness and then help facilitate that change. That process, bringing you along the process as well, um, giving you information, bringing that support team, and then after everything is all said and done, not just walking away, but also being there for you. Um, and so, and and I and I and I say you because it's it's it, it's on an individual basis, right. right? You, it's I look at everyone as, as a different person, as a unique person. And um, once you understand that, um, you know, even if things don't go the right way, um, because you know we're talking about technology here, um, they will be able to understand that. Listen, things happen. When iPhone comes out, right, the first iPhone that comes out always has bugs on them, right? They, there's always a bug. There's always, uh, but we understand that now. And so, just making it bearable for them. Um, I think that for me is is very important to let them know. Listen, we're gonna get this through. We're gonna get it together. You know, yeah. we're gonna walk together in this in this um, in this fight.
0: You know, it's it's interesting when we think about technology uh, implementations, we're often thinking about very large groups of people that are going to be adopting the technology. But you just made a really good point that even though it's it's a large group of people. The change needs to happen on a more individual basis. How in the world do you, you look at a workforce that's got hundreds or thousands of people in it and look at them as a, as a bunch of individuals, which is what they are, and and cater to all of the, the different levels of of adoption of that technology? Do you have any advice? for how you might go about doing that to, to cater to that many different, um, you know, levels of understanding, as you said, you know, what may seem easy to me may not seem easy to the person next to me. How do you account for all of that in your change management strategy?
1: Oh, I talk to a lot of people and I listen, right. I always try to listen intently, um, because I know that their time is very valuable, and I understand that this is not an easy process for anyone. For 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 uh, for me, I think that um, just making sure that um, I am understanding um, of, and that and then that also teaches me right that not everyone is the same. So I always ask questions, like I said before. Um, you know, if I'm unsure of something. I always try to make sure that, you know, what is it that that you need in order for me to help you? Right. What 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 would make this process easier? So it's just co- constantly have that conversation. I have different conversations with many people, um, you know, uh, I I, I pick up the phone and I call people and I ask them questions, right? Um, That helps me understand that um, what I think might be something easy, like you mentioned before, it might be hard for other reasons, right? So um, I always try not to make assumptions or generalize. We're all different. We all learn differently. um, And we're all going through a different struggle. My challenges are probably not going to be your challenge, but always keeping that in mind, always listening to people, being open um, and, you know, and being honest. You always got to make sure that you let them know, um, you know, this might not be uh, something that you, you you will get the first try. But, you know, we're here to support you.
0: How do you identify the people in the organization I like I, that need your additional support? So I, I love the personal outreach aspect of, of what you've talked about. How do you know who needs the additional help versus somebody who is, is maybe uh, doing better with the change?
1: Well, I think there's metrics that that are in place um, to help you with that. Um, if you put those metrics in place and you'll see if someone is not uh, adopting to the, the change, that, that helps out. Um, but I... I I can say that for me, um, my experience and, in, in, you know, taking up psychology and having a lot of experience um, with customer service, um, you understand that sometimes uh, there's an underlying issue. And so you always want to, um, like I mentioned before, try to ask questions um, and see if they're understanding what you're, what, what you're teaching them or the purpose, right, um, of why you're doing what you're doing. And I think that because of that, um, a lot of people gravitate towards me they, I, I can have a conversation with anyone. <laughs> and so um, I, I I don't think people have um, any issues with coming to me and telling me, Hey, I don't understand this because I, I I'm very open um, and I make people feel safe. Right. We talk about psychological safety. Um, and, and that's one of the things that I always keep in mind. I want people to come to me um, and not, feel that they might get, um, be condescending towards them because they don't know something. Right. Um, so I think it has to do with the individual. Um, and sometimes, you know, you, you, you draw it out of them, you know, um, there's a lot that you can do as an individual, um, not just as a a change management, um, practitioner, but also, um, you know, just a a coworker, you know, are, are you understanding this? Like, can I help you with something? Um, And just just having those conversations, I think that is very key um, to getting people to to talk and and to let their guard down because it's it's difficult, right?
0: Yeah, no, it's it is very difficult. And I think what what I love about your approach is the outreach and and being hands on and and making sure that you really have your finger on the pulse of of what's going on with the men and women um, that that you're supporting. I'm curious if if you found ways to be able to scale that. You, you probably can't be there for everyone all the time, uh, you know, working 24-7, 365. Have you found ways that you can kind of uh, categorize the, the challenges that some of the folks are uh, potentially experiencing and look for ways to, to deal with them at scale? Or do you find that your best approach is still just very much one-on-one?
1: Yes, you're right. Um, I'm only one person. But I think that um, when you bring people on board on your team, you have to um, bring that awareness to them. So um, as I mentioned before, the network is very important, finding those people that are also passionate, just like you are. And then those people, then uh, you become duplicates of you, right? And, and your thoughts and how, what you know, right? So to be able to help um, everyone else. And I, and I think that, um, you know, we downplay uh, sometimes our, our neighbors that are sitting next to us. Um, We want to reach out to someone probably above us. Right. But but the people next to us are the people that know the best. Right. right? And so if you equip people with information, with resource on where they can go, um, you know, one of the one of the things that we are using now with technology is um, QR codes, Right. So if you don't know something, you can just scan your QR code. A page comes up with a lot of resources. Um, so, you know, using technology as well to be there as a resource, um, sending out messages, um, keeping people in the loop, I think that um, also helps out because they feel like, okay, this is this is something that I should know. Um, and, and I think that it, it, it helps just broad, broaden that message. When just you're just one person,
0: yeah. The, the use of QR codes is a fantastic example. In fact, it was. I was going to ask you the next question, which is, you know, how are you using technology to to solve some of these challenges? So I, I think the the QR codes are, are a great example of that. How well has that been received? Are you seeing use of some of those tech implementations, or is it still too early to tell?
1: No, absolutely. I've seen them. I, I, I mean, even with people in the field. That they are able to, you know, scan a QR code with their um, with their phone on a bulletin that they might that they they, they see. Um, I think it's very easy. Um, it's not complicated, um, and you just pull out your phone, you scan it, and all the information is there. It is very well received from from what I see as well. And n- now we're also understanding that um, I don't know what people's attention span was back then. But I know for sure it is shorter now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's definitely little... not
0: getting any longer for sure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so doing little snippets of you know videos, right? Like one or two, three second videos um to be able to teach something um, is very useful you know, we, we look at YouTube, you can do anything now with, with, um, YouTube. I, I know that I, I, um, recently did my, my daughter's bedroom. I've never laid carpet down. I watched the video. I kind of messed up a little bit. So I had to watch another video on how to fix it. And I fixed it. It came out beautiful Took pictures. No one will never know. Right. But, um, but we understand that we have this technology and although, you know, sometimes it it, it can become frustrating we can have a lot of use from that Um, and using these new technologies that are coming out, like the QR code, which I love. You could do a presentation uh, and, you know, have a QR code there. They snap a picture and boom, there's, you know, whatever information you want to give them. So I think it's important.
0: YouTube is a great example. It's, it's, as I understand it, it's the second most popular search engine behind only Google, which is their parent company. And it just shows you how, You know, even outside of our work context, that when we need to do something, whether it's carpet or I have a bunch of hobbies and I'm always on YouTube looking up how to do things from other folks that have done it before, uh, it's a very natural way for us to go learn. And it's been a little bit slower to get adoption in large organizations, particularly with frontline workers. So I'm very excited to hear that you're pulling some of that stuff in. And I, I what I love in particular is that you've solved one of the um, user interface issues, right? Instead of having to go somewhere and go search for it and uh, you know, go struggle with uh, trying to find the content that you're looking for, having the QR codes there at the point in time, when and where they need it, uh, is is really an exceptional way to to give them the information that they need. so that's a fantastic example.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So I'm dying for our audience i'm I'm actually going a little bit out of order here we We usually don't talk about our guest background until a little bit later in the conversation but it, there are so many I think interesting gems in your background that I, I want to kind of bring out here. so if it's okay, I'd really love for you to talk about, Um, You know, first of all, both your schooling, which I found very interesting to learn the degrees that you have that have really positioned you well for the role that you're doing. Uh, But I'd also love for you to give us some background on, you know, how you kind of came to work inside this utility organization and how you've risen through the ranks and, and changed your responsibilities. So, um, I, I don't. I think you actually started first as an employee before you went back for your degrees, right?
1: Yes. So, so yeah. why don't
0: you start then m- with maybe a, your work history and kind of weave in uh, when you went back to, to school to to get the advanced degrees and things like that?
1: Absolutely. So, yeah, I, well, I started at my company as a, a customer service rep. Um, I did that for about four years. And um, I love learning new things. Um, I, I just put myself in these um, positions um, that I really know nothing about. <laughs> and just go, I just go ahead and, and I said, you know what? I, I would like to learn that. And so, um, although I was inside in an office, um, I took the leap and um, I put in for a position to be a supervisor in the field. Um, very brand new. Uh, it was the first time I ever supervised. I mean, I had children, um, but, you know, it's nothing like supervising people who are not your family. <laughs>
0: right, right, They may, um, may have even been older than you, unlike your children.
1: <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's another that was another challenge. Right. I'm really young at the time. Um, and so, you know, I, I learned so much. Um, I, I learned a lot about myself. Um, I, at that particular time um i was new to like i mentioned before supervising um and and you know making sure that people were working um you know uh, uh coaching people um so those were all new things to me um but i loved what i did um i love interacting with my employees every day um you know, just laughing um, sometimes when they would come back from, from their routes and just tell me, you know, what, how their day went. Um, Because as you know, I don't know if you ever worked in the field. uh, It's very interesting. Every day there's something new, something happened. um, And I, and I understand why people love being in the field. And so um, I, I did that for many years. I went back into the office And, um, you know, I I super I could continue to supervise um, sort of like in a different role, um, just worked on projects. um, And then I decided I want something new. Um, I want to learn something else. And I went into construction and that was an amazing experience. You know, working with construction, hearing the jackhammering, and um, and really um, having compassion for uh, the hard labor, right? That was that was very. Um, it was touching to me because you know you have uh, these employees out there, um, you know, doing all this this type of hard labor in adverse, you know, weather conditions, um, and so uh, I loved it. Um, and now you know i'm in a, I'm in a position where um sort of like the liaison between the end user um, and these new systems coming out.
0: So first of all, I have to address something that you just said because um, it's been driving me crazy in in all that we've been talking about with the pandemic, and we talk about things like zoom fatigue and people complaining about you know all the video conferencing that we've had to do uh, these days. The men and women that you just talked about, the folks that are working in construction, the folks that are doing the field service jobs out in the field, they don't have Zoom fatigue. They actually have real fatigue. They're yeah. tired because they yeah. have a real job that's physical and they're working out in the field. And not to suggest that those of us that work in offices don't have real jobs, but it, it I, I've just found it comical that people are laughing or not laughing, but complaining rather about you know Zoom fatigue. And, and the the stresses of, you know, video conferencing all day. And I'm like, you know, the men and women out in the field, they, they, they would love to have a day where they just had to sit on a video conference in an air conditioned, you know, living room. Right. So to, to hear you talk about the men and women in the field, that, that is just near and dear to my heart. I have such tremendous respect for, for them. And I think the experience that they've had through this pandemic has been very different than those of us that have the good fortune of working from home or, you know, a relatively comfortable office in most cases. And, um, you know, I really feel for them in that uh, they've kind of had to stick it out. They still had to work in the elements. They have still had to do the same job they had to do before and uh, really didn't get a lot more creature comforts in, in order to, to do that job. So it was a great part of the story. So what I find very interesting about your background is that you were in the field working as a, as a field service uh, supervisor, and then in the construction side. And then you also have a degree that is very different from what most people with that background would have. Tell us about your, your university experience and, and how that came about.
1: Yeah. So I started off, um, working as a dental assistant when I was pretty young. Um, I had mentioned to you before the podcast that at that time I really didn't know what to do. Right. I, I was just kind of lost. Um, you know, technology was, was coming out. Um, I had my first gateway computer trying to figure it out. Um, so I said, hmm, maybe this is a field that I can go into. Um, um, but I uh, got the opportunity to work for a dental office. And that is where my passion sparked. Um, it was something that I learned. I was, I was very good at it. Um, and I said, this is something that I want to pursue. Um, and then I you know, be- became a dental assistant. Um, and then I went into wanting to become a dental hygienist. Um, so I got into the program. I loved, uh, I love what I did, but unfortunately I was not able to finish. Um, uh, and so I applied for, you know, my company now. And, um, then I said, you know, I, I want to go back to school. Um, a, because I wanted to show my children that, um, you can do it all. Um, you know, I, I, I really wanted to prove to them that, although at the time, you know, I was a single mom, I had them really young, um, that my life didn't stop, that they, they did not stop my life. And, um, that was one of the reasons. And then the second reason was, um, I did have, I have a passion, you know, to be around people, um, and, and I'm always intrigued on human behavior. Right. And so I said, Um, I probably want to go back, um, didn't really know what to do. And then the opportunity came about to do psychology and I loved it. So I went to um, my university and I I graduated um, with my bachelor's in psychology. And then um, I wanted to get my master's. (laughs) I said, why not get my master's? Um, And I said, I could go into psychology before my line of business um, i th- I thought it would be probably best to do something um, with business. Um, and so organizational management does a have uh, it has psychology in it. and so I thought that that was the great field to become an expert in. and so I became um, went to Manhattan College to become uh, organizational management um, have a degree in that. And so, um, I don't stop learning. Um, if I can go back, I would, um, I think it is, it's a little expensive for me to go back. Um, but I am always constantly learning, um, just learning new things, uh, Obviously, you know, with 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 COVID now, you're not able to go in person um, to a lot of places. Because I also enjoy that. I also enjoy going going in and meeting new people. Um, you know, learning their thought process, um, having conversations. I love all of that. And so, um, you know, now I I think that um, with with COVID, um, I probably will go back, but just to do like little certificates here and there.
0: Right. So you came from field service, construction, customer service. Then you got degrees in psychology and organizational leadership. Is that what ultimately led you to want to be in a role where, where change management is really a, a key part of your role every day?
1: I think it was the perfect role. I, I believe that um, all the my trajectory of jobs and positions, it just led me to this perfect place where I feel comfortable, where I enjoy. I, it, it was just perfect how everything lined up. Um, you know, I, no, none of it was planned. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. I, I had another plan. Um, but I, I, I love the fact that, um, you know, I work for a, a company that gives me that opportunity right? Um, and so I take those opportunities. Um, I'm very grateful for them. Um, but I landed in a place where I am comfortable, where I understand. Um, and I, I continue to learn, right? Because, um, you know, change happens all the time. Um, but it it happens in a different way, right? We, we never expected um, to work from home the way that we did. Um, and we had to adapt to that. So I think I'm in a perfect role now.
0: That's awesome. So I, I want to shift back. I'm, I'm really glad you, you shared that, that part of your background because I find it, it totally fascinating, just the, uh, the diversity of the experiences and the education that you have. I think it's, uh, it's just made for such a, an interesting role for you to have inside your organization. So I want to shift back a little bit to kind of the, the innovation conversation and uh, just the, the challenges and the opportunities associated with that. I'm curious where you see the push for innovation coming from Uh, inside the organization that you work at? Do you see that coming from just senior uh, level leadership? Do you see it coming from the field Are the the men and women in the field asking for that innovation? Where do you see the the push for that to come from? And and where are some of the biggest change issues for you, the challenges that you have to overcome as an agent of change inside your organization?
1: Well, I think that uh, it's going to come from different places, Um, but primarily it's going to come from the customer, right? At the end of the day, this is who we serve. Um, and the customers are are constantly comparing companies, right? Um, you know, I get a a, a text um, when my packet is my package is dropped off in front of my lawn with a picture, right? And so we're we're constantly comparing um, companies, and I and I believe that um, it's our duty right? To serve our customers. Um, So I believe that the change is going to come from our customers. However, as a company, we need to um, be ahead of them, right? And not just wait for them to say this is the need. We have to understand the future for them, right? So we constantly, constantly have to um, be innovative, um, bring people in who understand other industries, right? Um, To bring ideas, um, and then ultimately, yes, you know, our leadership is going to make those decisions on which projects um, they're going to invest in. Um, and then obviously, uh, you know, the the, the lower level um, will have to adopt to that. Um, and and internally, um, because they are also customers as well. Right. You will also see a little bit of that internally. But I think that primarily. It is the customer who's going to push you to the next level and continue to push you to that next level.
0: Companies like Amazon, I think may have been the company you were referring to with the the photos. (laughs) Uh, You know, they've really reset the bar for customer experience. And I do think that that's driving a lot of transformation in what I would say are kind of legacy industries like utilities and and other similar ones where um, they're the um, the expectations for the consumers have just changed so dramatically because of what's now been shown to available, be possible, right? Right, right. And I, so all of those efforts around digital transformation, I, I hesitate to use that word, but I use it just to kind of fall in line with because so many other people use that expression. It just, it feels a little overused sometimes, but it, but it actually leads me to the question about what do you think your frontline workers uh, in your organization think when they hear about digital transformation initiatives? Do you think they're rolling their eyes? Do you think they're excited about it? What do you think their take is on all of this change that's coming down from an innovation standpoint?
1: Yeah, I think, um, as I mentioned before, um, we're kind of, you know, bombarded with so, so much change when it comes to technology. Um, I don't hear um, a lot of people being excited, um, you know, when a new uh, uh, application rolls out, um, but I do think that this is this is going to be here for a long time, right? Um I, I, I think that we're we're gonna get to a point where we're going to understand that um something new is gonna come out. Um and so yeah, there is challenges um, you know, all the time because you know, change is sometimes scary. Um you get used to doing something a certain way and then it changes and it, there's a there's a process, a transition process, um, but I think that we have to remain flexible um, and I'll give you a perfect example. Um, I set up my daughter for um, to take coding on Saturdays, coding classes, mm-hmm. and it was going to be in person. And I was very excited about that. I said, yes. Yes. Finally, something that she can do um, and she can be around other children. Um, and I got a call yesterday and they said, um, sorry, we're gonna have to make this virtual. And so I said, for me, okay, it's virtual. I really wanted something in person, but breaking that to her, it was difficult because she's she's like, I don't want to do something else online. Right. Um, and I told her, I said, well, look at the bright side. Um, we don't have to travel 30 minutes to get there. Right. You'll be in, you can be on your pajamas on Saturday. Right. And then you can take your class. Um, and so I think that we, as time passes and the more we get used to this, um, I think that it'll, it'll become easier. More we're, probably going to accept it a little bit more. Um, But I I don't think it's going to change. I think that we're going to continue and it's going to be rapid. Um, We have to keep up. But like I mentioned before, um, you know, having those resources, having a network, um, you know, I think about my mom and and how, you know, it's very difficult for her to navigate sometimes um, through technology, Um, but she has me to kind of help her. Um, through that. And, and just, you know, that, that piece, that moment where she's frustrated and I come to her rescue, Um, you know, I said, mom, you just, just, this is what you do. Um, You know, we'll figure this out. And sometimes I don't even know, um, you know, when it comes to technology, right. I have to go to my, my, my children now (laughs) and ask them for help. Um, But I think that having that network, having people around you who can help you, um, there's just so much resources out there, uh, but I, I, think that we have to remain flexible because it's not going away. It's going to be more, um, and it's going to be rapid, um, like we're seeing now.
0: The, the pace is definitely not slowing down. And you just made a point that I want to circle back to, cause I, I think it's really important. And I think there was a time in the evolution of technology when our team members thought if they just resisted using it, that they could go back to the paper-based process for some period of time. They were comfortable with that. They didn't want it to innovate, and they were comfortable with that. I think now what I've seen with the frontline workers that I interact with, they still may not like it. They may not like the pace of change. They may still be nervous and some of the other emotions that I'd still like to talk about a little bit to here too. But one thing that does seem to be changing is their acceptance that this is going to happen whether I embrace it or not. Right. right? And and I, I don't want anybody to feel that they're forced into it, right? But I, I do feel that th- they've kind of acquiesced a little bit and just said, okay, we're going to have to figure this thing out. It's a tool. I actually had a, an employee once tell me, I understand it's a tool. I don't have to like it. I understand it's a tool and it's a necessary part of my job. And so I'm going to figure this out. And I, I just, I kind of captured that quote in my head because I said, I think that represents the way a lot of workers feel about what's happening now. Now, I think the next thing is to say, well, how do we deal with some of the other emotional and psychological issues of this digital transformation? And and that's the part I was so excited to meet you and and talk to you about it with your background in psychology and, and sitting as a change management specialist now, you know, do you feel that users are as anxious and, and feel as vulnerable about the tech change. They may accept and, and know that they have to change, but do you think that there's some anxiety? You described the situation with your mother that she seems very nervous about having to use the technology. Do you think the same thing's happening in our workforce?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, technology um, sometimes can be um, intimidating, right? Um, if you were not kind of raised um, with technology around you, um it it's uh it takes a long time to kind of adapt. Um I was mentioning before, you know, technology when you when you talk about apps and um there's there's probably more than one way to get to a place, right? Um it's just like math, right? There's there's a couple of ways to get you to the answer. Um, but if you don't even have that basis, that base, right? Um you would you wouldn't even know where to go. Um, so I think it's very intimidating for a lot of people. The anxiety is high because um, you don't really have time to absorb what you're learning, to kind of go through it. It takes a lot of time to figure something out when you're in front of a computer, um, and so the the clock is ticking. You've been here for an hour already trying to figure this out. Frustration comes comes out, and then it might be uh, someone probably, it took them a little less time. And then you see that and you feel a certain way, right? You feel like, man, why, why didn't I figure that out? It took me an hour to figure this out. Um, and so I think that a lot of people, um, we, we were mentioning this before, um, when 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 uh, you're going into um, a virtual, either learning or um, in, in person, um, you, you see that some people don't even want to ask questions and, and that's been with every, every, you know, your whole life, right? You don't want to ask that, that stupid question that you think is stupid, um, but uh, it it's very intimidating. And I think that, you know, you, you come to a point in your life that, that your brain is also slowing down. You're not as quick, you know, as, 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 you know, when you were younger to understand things, right? So that's, that's another thing that you have to also be aware of. Um, right now, I don't know um, what the statistics are um, if, you know, but we do know that the baby boomers are exiting, right? Um, and, and, but we still have to remember that we're, we're all going to go through the same process, right? We're, we're all going to get there. Um, we're not going to be young forever. Um, and technology is always going to be um, in, in this fast pace. Um, so that challenge is always going to be there. But like I, I mentioned before, um, you know, making sure that you have people around you that can help you out um, whenever you get stuck is I, I think to me is very crucial.
0: I think even if some uh, workers coming into the workforce today might adopt technology maybe a little bit quicker, is something that you just said I think is important and it will never go away. And that is that there will always be diversity In the level of adoption, the level of discomfort with that change. So it doesn't matter whether you're bringing on a thousand people that are 25 or a thousand people that are 50 into an organization or bringing it into new technology, even within that population of users, there's going to be diversity in, in their comfort level with that adoption. And we really need to be, you know, continuously looking at how we can um, kind of meet them where they are and their level of understanding and make sure that we can support them. And you you talked about that at the absolute most individual level down to the one-on-one. And then I'm looking at that as saying, okay, how do we apply a very individualized approach, but to do it at scale, if we've got hundreds or thousands of people across the organization. And, and I, I don't think that's easy. Something else that you said, and I'm, I'm curious about, you know, your ideas on this is, not just about training people on how to use the technology, but you've mentioned the word support a lot today. And I think you may mean that in a few different ways. I think you might mean support as just being a shoulder to lean on sometimes. Uh, I sense that in your personality, but, but are there other ways to, do you think it helps to, to help users understand where they get support if they, if something goes wrong, does that give them comfort and and what are some of the suggestions that you would have for others and and how they might want to communicate the availability of that support to the users.
1: Yeah, so using technology, right? Um, ha- like I mentioned before, you know, uh, uh, when you talk about people who are in the field, um, they are necessarily not in front of a computer. Um, So that's, that's, that's challenging, right? How do you get to these people um, that probably just have a phone with them? Um, And so I think bringing awareness, having those conversations um, in groups, um, having uh, sort of like those, those, um, those groups that they can come together. And you can say, listen, if you need help, um, here is a guide. Right, making cheat sheets. I, I remember, you know, when I was in the field, I had hundreds of those for everything. Um, right, because you don't have time to, to go through books. Right, um, but you have to understand what the need is. That's like primarily, right? Um, I, I I always mention the the assumption, right? Not making assumptions. So you do have to understand, and by doing that, you have to go out there and you have to speak to people. Right, what is the need here? Um, And how can you facilitate that better? Um, How can we use technology? Um, Also talking to, um, you know, other other uh, utility companies or other companies that are probably, you know, benchmarking. What are they doing? Um, Because sometimes they might not even know uh, how you can help them. So you have to really have those conversations is so key to have conversations with people. Um, And once you're open to that, they are open to speak to you, to talk to you about everything. What are their challenges? I remember um, there was a, um, a study that I did within my company. um, And it was really just to get um, from start to finish you know, what they did throughout the day. I remember them being a little resistant, right? Because here's someone next to you watching your every move. Um, But once um, they were comfortable with me, there were so many challenges that they faced, right? And we didn't know that. We did not know that. And we would never have known that if we did not have those conversations. I could have sent them a survey. I could have, you know, possibly... Um, you know, say here, here's a drop uh, a box. Drop in your suggestion. Um, but I think that having those conversations with people, they open up to you and they tell you what their challenges are. And then after that, not just hear it and just write it down, but then take action and let them know that you're taking action, right? Um, and and that's where the the work really starts for a change agent, a uh, change management person. It's really there.
0: Yeah, I, no, I love that. We always say you can't build solutions from a conference room when you're talking about workers in the field, right? You have to get out there and see the environment that they work in, see the tools that they're using, the vehicles that they're driving, the circumstances and, and the environments, not just the, the physical, uh, you know, the, or the weather and things like that, but, but also are they working inside someone's house? Are they working inside a factory? Are they working inside uh, other machinery? And um, it, it's just such a really important part to understand a day in their life. And, and to your point, to actually ask them what they need is, is such an obvious and simple thing that is often overlooked by large companies when they're looking to innovate and try to solve challenges in the field. So I, I love that you've taken the time to go out and do that. I think that's great. We've, we've talked a lot about kind of the, the past and, and we've brought it up to the, to the current state. What do you see in the future? What do you see your role? How do you see that evolving? What excites you most about the future uh, of your role inside your organization?
1: Learning more about people excites me. Um, Every process that I'm going through, I'm learning from that. And I'm taking those experiences and saying in the future, you know, I can do this this way. So for me is learning adopting what I'm learning from people, how how the process worked and what didn't work. So applying that to the future, to other rollouts, um, it, it excites me because I, I feel that this is just going to be one of many changes um, for my company. Um, and so you know being able to to be an expert, right, um, at, at the changes and the strategies. Um, And having people uh, say, you know, it's not the best, but uh, we did have someone there as a support to guide us and building that trust with the employees, I think is so important Um, because, you know, just like customers, you can give them a plus one customer experience. And then the next day you do something and that went down, right? Something that they're, you didn't meet their expectation. Um, then you went down to a negative, right? So we have to constantly evolve. Um, for me, I'm very passionate about what I do. Um, and I, I, I want to see when this is finished, um, this particular role, how people are uh, adapting, right? And how how are they um, just behaving, right? Did I do a good job? Am I doing a good job? Um, I think that, um, you know, with innovation and technology, uh, it's always going to be here, right? Um, but always maintaining flexibility. Flexibility in you know what you do, how you do it, um, and and be ready for that um, that change.
0: I, I th- you just talked about flexibility. I think that's uh, an amazing point, particularly in older organizations that have been around for a long time. If, if there's there are definitely some good things that have come from the pandemic. I, I think we've learned a lot about ourselves, and the truth is, we have actually adapted pretty significantly. I think actually, and this is probably shows up more in older companies and maybe some of the newer companies that were kind of innovated at their inception. But what we've shown some of the older companies uh, or what this experience has shown is that we actually can be flexible, we can be nimble, we can adapt. The people that are involved in this can absorb some of that change. So we did things kind of under dress during this experience. We, we certainly didn't plan for, for COVID, but it, it really has taught us that even um, organizations that maybe didn't feel very flexible or adaptable, when forced to do so, they were able to do it. Right. And I, I really hope as we come out of the backside of this Uh, companies have been able to kind of modify their culture to an extent where they can now be more accepting and open to that change. And people like you can, can really lead that charge inside their organizations. Absolutely. So if you could go back, we we need to kind of wrap it up as I knew was going to happen. We were going to blow through the time (laughs) that we had together. Um, But I I am very curious to see, you've had such a diverse set of experiences and I'm, Um, you strike me as somebody who primarily looks forward, not backward, but I am curious to see if, if you could go back and do anything differently, would you change the the course? Would you change the the classes that you took? Would you change the, the roles and responsibilities that you had throughout your career?
1: No. And I, and as I look back, um, there were, uh, some of the things that I wanted to do, um, you know, as I was going through school and, um, and I look back and I say, you know i'm 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 grateful that I did not get that job. I am grateful that I did not, those doors were not open because I wouldn't be here today. where I feel comfortable, I feel very passionate. Um, I would not change anything um you know we were talking before and i and i explained to you that um you know i lived in in many places i lived in florida miami orlando i lived in puerto rico i lived in um you know i i lived in many places i went to school many places um but those experiences is what what got me here today i needed those experiences um, you know, I, I'm an only child. Um, so I gravitate to others um, because there's really no one else. Um, and so people have helped me um, open up doors. I always, you know, growing up, um, I would always hear, you know, people say, man, you have potential. And I never understood that. I never understood why people would tell me that, you um, and you know just giving me uh just reinforcing that um don't worry right you're going to figure this out and so i think that i would not change not one course um not one degree um you know i i was passionate about becoming a dental hygienist i and i for a long time i had um i had my my uh, courses print it out. Um, and I would check them off as I, you know, was completing each course for the degree and it stopped, right. Cause I couldn't do it anymore. And I remember having to take that piece of paper down, but I took it down very proudly. Cause I said, you know, I learned a lot and, um, still to this day, um, you know, I'm friends with uh, a lot of my classmates. Um, and, but I, now I made so much experience and uh networking with more people in my company that that have become family. Um so I would not change anything. Um and I think that you know for me as far as uh learning I won't stop here. Um who knows in the future where where else I would be. Um but for right now uh I think I'm in the perfect place and those experiences is what got me here.
0: That's fantastic. One one thing that's starting to shape up as a common theme on the Frontline Innovators podcast is that a lot of our guests are in roles today where they are supporting uh, colleagues in roles that they used to have. So in right. your example here, you talked about your experience in, in field service and your experience on the construction teams and things like that. And now you're in a position where you provide support for some of those folks. I think that's so fantastic. It's uh, genuine empathy. You can literally put yourself in in their shoes because you have been there. You've done those jobs and you know what it's like working in the elements and working under the stress that they're working under today. And so I can just tell that that comes out in how you describe your role today and the compassion and passion that you bring to your role. And uh, it's really exciting to, to have had you tell us your story today. So I really appreciate you spending the time with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I do need to to wrap it up there, and uh, I hope that everybody else has found this conversation as enjoyable as I have. Uh, If so, please share and rate the podcast. Five-star ratings help ensure that it gets promoted to other professionals like you who are innovating on the front lines. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful, the mobile digital adoption platform for deskless and frontline workers. Visit the website at skillful.com. That's S-K-Y-L-L-F-U-L.com. And if you or someone you know is out there innovating on the front lines, we'd love to hear their story. Please reach out to me on LinkedIn and share your story, and we'll see you on our next episode.